Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to The Dead Prank Club Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad and the banter. For any guys out there, just please just talk about it it's it's so it's so important I, I I didn't speak on my emotions for a long time after my mum died because I didn't have any guys to turn to and I didn't know how to talk about it and it just makes the biggest difference and then through all of my years of counseling as CBT I've seen like two other guys ever <laughs> mm, crazy. and I know that you're out there I know that you're you you know there's not like there's more women who lose more parents yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not gender biased. No, the one thing that isn't gender biased is probably, you know, is probably the kids who lose their parents, you know. So, you know, open up about it. Hey, 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 everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. Now, before I dive into this week's show with the amazingly fabulous Nick, who I had such a brilliant conversation with that I can't wait to share with you all. I would just like to let all of you know about something that I am super, super excited about. The Dead Parent Club podcast is doing a live recording for the first time ever. So that'll be videoed and it'll be a live podcast. It'll be on Zoom um, for the Motherless Mother's Day event, which is a series of events organised by Alicia Fornaret and Let's Reimagine. The weekend is designed to support people who are grieving the loss of their mothers for the US's Mother's Day, which is on Saturday the 9th of May. Um, they'll have everything going on from movement classes to cooking demos to panels and author talks so if you want to register and watch our first ever live podcast recording and you can even ask questions live as well it'll be with my amazing friend emma jones who i'm sure all of you will love i'm clicking the link in my show notes and whilst you're there why not check out all of the amazing events they have going on over the course of the weekend now let's hear nick and his story well, first of all, Nick, thank you so much for coming on to the Prank Club podcast. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Ah, it's my pleasure. Um, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself so that everybody knows who you are and where you're from, and then we can get right in. Yep. So I'm Nick. Uh, I'm just turned 25 three days ago um, and um, from London, originally from France, but moved to London when I was very young. 
Uh, and my mum died when she was 70. When I was 70, not her, when she was 70, when I was 70. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been really strange. Yeah. <laughs> Sad. Um, well, yeah, not fab for you. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic. Um, so one thing as well, guys that listen to this, me and Nick actually went to the same uni. Um, didn't know each other, but have mutual friends, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um <laughs> I love the the small world nature of it all. Um, so yeah, I suppose uni will probably play a big part in your story, right? Because obviously your mum passed away literally right before you went. So it must have been like proper life changing for you. Yeah, massively. So my mum died um, my first day, first day back of my last year of school. Um, and uh, she had, she was always, she'd always been very healthy, had no health issues, only sort of mid fifties and had a massive heart attack and and that was it she was gone um so I I went into this into this strange sort of autopilot mode of like I've got I've got to get my A-levels I've got to get to uni it's what she would have wanted and I kind of just got through those those intervening years being like that's what she would have wanted rather than thinking about myself it's like adrenaline isn't it as well you're just like it." (laughs) it's also like autopilots your your body's like defending itself by just sort of doing what you think what what it thinks you should be doing so so yes I got my levels and I went to Lanx and then Lanx was such a big blessing because it was it was miles and miles away from London it was like nothing I'd ever seen before I got ribbed the whole time by my northern mates of being a a soft southern (laughs) Uh, obviously obviously right i turned up as this fresh-faced posh sounding london kid who's like yes i'm half french and they were like oh my god <laughs> this guy's a i can literally imagine the absolute abuse that you would have got already yeah it was it was harsh but no it, it was yeah so, so in that sense it was great but i mean i think those three years as well were so um like formative in terms of my grief because you, you're meeting so many people and then you're you're trying to find out who you are as a person yourself and then you're also going through the death of a parent at the same time so it's mm. a confusing environment to be in and I look back on it with so many like I made so many mistakes and at the time I didn't realize why that was and it was all because of the grief and just because I wasn't talking about it and then lo and behold everything started to get better when I started to do counseling and I started speaking about it but yeah. you're, not, you're not you're not ready until you're ready I guess I mean, that's so true. And I feel like when a parent dies, you literally do kind of live off adrenaline a little bit. And like with you, like the next big milestone would have been A-levels. So it's like, you just like, you have to try and push it to the side, don't you? But yeah, like grief does come back to bite you on the arse massively. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just a, it's just one big old roller coaster of, of up and down and and then you think you're a bit better and then you're not and then you're back to way worse than you were before and it's Mm. it's just I mean massively massively confusing most of the time so talk to me about your mum then um what what was she called actually first of all she was called Anne very nice so obviously you mentioned you had to have a sister then as well Mm. How old was she then when your mum passed away? So she was a bit older than me. She was um, she just gone into her first year at uni. Um, so she's about two years older than me, so she was nineteen at the time. Um, but yeah, it was it was I, I, from from the beginning. Sort of the dynamics of the family took quite an interesting turn because mum had a heart attack about six in the morning on the sixth of September, twenty twelve, and my dad came into my room because my room was the closest to my parents. He turned my light on and he said, "Call the ambulance. Mum's not breathing." So we called the ambulance, started giving a CPR, and the ambulance turned up. And my sister, because I've always been um, a little bit of a 
naughty young woman. Uh, she thought <laughs> I was playing a trick on her from my first day back at school. So giving CPR, you 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 say one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four for the for the rhythm at which you're doing it. And my sister thought I was singing yeah. Stay in the Light and was just annoying her and waking her up at <gasps> six in the morning. So my sister comes out of her room and she's like, what's going on? And well, it turns out that me and my dad are giving my mum CPR. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, in hindsight, it's, I mean, you have to laugh about these things, right? But, yeah but yeah, yeah. so, so f- and, and then initially my, my first reaction was like oh, okay Izzy my sister called Izzy Izzy can't see this so I stopped her from coming into the room stopped her from seeing it and it was almost I almost felt from that moment onwards that like I had a not a duty to protect her because that's quite like a a, a manly thing and, no no like, no it not was for the idea of her having not seen that and and I I'd sort of lived through that and it's something we've spoken yeah. about a lot in the past that she's she she never saw that, which is fantastic because she did, she wasn't left with that sort of imagery of of that morning. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, C, CPR is like it's, I mean, it's like brutal. it's so in, it's so invasive, and 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 the problem that it then leaves you with is that you know once you come out of that fog, however many years or months afterwards, the image that you're left with is is giving your mum CPR before she died. Yeah. Or when you already dead, and you yeah. can't shake that image out of your head. I, d- I don't know. I don't know if if you found that for for a long time after after your mum died, you you were left mainly with sort of images of her in her last few weeks. The image that was in my head so much was what yeah. she looked like just a few seconds after yeah. she died. Like that was honestly yeah. just it penetrated yeah. all of my thoughts constantly, and it's it's not it's. You know, people say, "Think of the happy times, think of the good times," and you're like, "Yeah, it's yeah. not a fucking easy one." Yeah. Like, Trust me, if, if I wanted to think, I'm trying to think of the happy times. I'm really trying. <laughs> <laughs> like that, your mum actually dying kind of, you know, overlays any kind of happy yeah. thoughts that you have. Especially like, you know, just seeing that. Not many people, even at our age, have no. seen a dead body. Like, and the fact that we have, and it's somebody that is so close to us, it really just puts things in a different perspective massively, massively. massively. and like you know for, for me one of the big things that happen afterwards and still happens now is that whenever I think of my mum the first thing that pops into my head is that image and it's like no matter mm. how much how much counseling or CBT or talking or whatever I do that that is still so deeply etched in my in my conscious and subconscious it's just like it's always always yeah. there um and so it's it almost makes the, the thought process of thinking about your your dead parent quite painful because you know that every time you think of them oh yeah you have to go through the, the like the dead process first before yeah well that's that's one of the things to be fair I even though I do this podcast I actually very I don't very regularly like think about my mum yeah. being dead like if I sit and think oh my god my mum's dead yeah. I cry yeah, yeah. like <laughs> because and that's because the first things that come to my head is those yeah. final moments of it happening and me yeah. like screaming like that's you know and it's too, yeah. it's too much like it's so yeah, it's so painful I yeah I completely I completely agree completely. so how long obviously you were in your mm. final year of school did you, did you take any time out yeah. like what it was, was such like a it's such a weird um foggy experience so the same day so we got to the hospital about eight she was pronounced dead by about nine um and then at about 11 o'clock I'd made my way into school uh, yeah I'd li- oh. I mean literally I'd gone into this weird autopilot mode where I was like I've got to go to school and I've got to tell my 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 head teacher that I, my mum's just died and I'm not going to be okay so I remember 
Right. <laughs> be okay. Like you're, you do these weird things. So I got into school and I sat down at the desk with my head teacher, and he was like, "Oh, where have you been this morning?" Because obviously I hadn't let anybody know. It's not what you're thinking about. Clearly, I was. And I got into school and I was like, "Oh yeah, um, my mum just died this morning," and you should have seen the look on his face. Oh he was like, God. what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> he was completely baffled. And then I was like, yeah, I just thought I should uh, I should let you know that um, my mum's dead and that I might not be in school today and tomorrow. <laughs> Get <laughs> out. Like... I, I literally did the exact same thing, honestly, about an hour after my mum died. I was due to start yeah. Pandora training, like the like a few literally about four days after and I rung and I was like hi just so you know I'm still coming to training but I'm gonna have to have a day off next week because my mum just died and it'll be a funeral and they were like oh my god like you don't need to come to training and I was like no it's fine I just need to let you know that I need to have a day off it's complete madness what you do like you just, yeah but it's what that's yeah. what we say before about about the autopilot thing and it's kind of you you kind of just start doing things without thinking about it because that's how you that's how you end up coping so, yeah, yeah. So I went massively. into school and I told them, and I went home, which is just <laughs> baffling. And I came home and I was like, "Okay, I'm home now. What do I? What, yeah, exactly. what do I do?" Because in essence, like you're you the person you're closer to in your life has just died, but because you're so unprepared for that final moment, when it happens, it's almost like everything changes, but nothing changes. If you see what I mean. So yep. you like everyone goes on with their lives, everything's still happening, the world's still moving, everyone's still getting on with their things, and you're just sort of sitting at home like, cool. Uh, <laughs> like, how do you how do you navigate that? Right? Literally, like, I look back now and I think, how do you even how yeah, do you process that? Exactly. It's impossible. It's, it's 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 mental. So anyway, so so yeah, so I I I kind of <clears throat> dipped in and out of school for a while. Um, to be fair, they were really understanding, which is which was good. Um, and I, I must have, I must have not gone in very much at all for the first two months. And then after that, I kind of went in in the mornings and then quite often I found it too hard and came home in the afternoons. And, and also because you're, because I was, I was 17, so you're starting to sort of get to adult stage, but people, particularly boys aren't at all in contact with their emotions, trying to explain to other 17 year old mates of yours, what's going on is so isolating and lonely because they're like, Oh, are you are you doing better today then? And it's like, uh, oh my yeah, god, you know, everything happens for a reason, or like, you know, oh, <laughs> those kind of attitudes, no. and you know, it's one of those things because they don't have anything to compare it to, so they just assume that you know it's been a few weeks. So because everything else gets better after a few weeks, well, surely it means that all your grief has got better after a few weeks as well. Yeah, um, and it's that and I think that's and maybe you could say a bit more on this but I think that that happens at no matter what what age you're at in terms of if you haven't lived through it it's very hard to explain how the grief process and how you feel isn't linear at all and it's so mm. up and down people just don't understand and like even the people closest to you um you know like your best friends and stuff or your partners like when you start crying or you're having a bad day, they're like, why? What's wrong? What's wrong? Tell me what's wrong. And I'm like, well, I'm just yeah. sad. Like, and I'm like, why are you sad? Like, what is it about it? Like, why are you sad? I'm like, my mum died like five years ago. And it, and it still kind of gets me yeah. quite down sometimes when yeah. I think about it. Uh, it's, it's a good question on why are you sad? Oh, I don't know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's because like, it's because the grief never yeah. ends because your, your life continues yeah. and 
you're experiencing things that they're yeah, missing absolutely. out on. And those, and I think those, but I mean, I don't know how you found that those, those big events, it always, it always strikes me as everyone around you is very happy. And there's just that, mm. that sense of there's something just not there. I cry at family <laughs> events. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you will always find me in a, in a corner crying. And it's like, I'm just sad because she's missing my, out. My sister's went, my sister got married two years ago um, and it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding. It was like the most, yeah, it was, the, it was, it was on a boat on the Thames. It was like, it was on the Ooh. same day that um, England reached the World Cup semi-final. Uh, it was just yeah. like an amazing day. And about, half 11 everyone who was at, at the party afterwards they <clears throat> sung this like scottish song my sister had always wanted to sing at her wedding and everyone was in a circle having a great time and i was just sitting on this on the steps crying <laughs> like, oh, I, I completely get that <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is just those family events are just so like you're happy but you're sad like my my brother recently um his yeah. partner had a baby and I went to the hospital to go and see them. And as soon as I walked in, I started crying. And I was like, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, I'm really happy for you, but I'm just really sad. So have you, have you always found that you've had an ability since your mum died to cry? No. When um, After she died for a while, I... I don't know. I think it was when I was I got put on mm. antidepressants afterwards. Um, like a lot yeah. of people do. <laughs> it's like, oh, somebody died. Yeah. <laughs> Have some pills. Um, <laughs> and um, and I, they made me really okay. numb, like to the point where I couldn't experience happiness and I couldn't experience okay. sadness okay. and cry. What What about you then? Have you always been like? Obviously, you had to kind of like have those conversations mm. with your friends at college who knew you. But what was it like when you went to uni and then? kind of telling those people yeah. that your mum had died because I, I was speaking to somebody recently on the last episode and she said that she didn't tell her friends at uni that her dad had died for like yeah. six months and she spoke about her dad as if he was still very much alive because she just didn't want to have that conversation that must have been so hard for her like, yeah well I think for all of us like we all handle things differently but like were you I'm very much like my name's Kat yeah. and my mum's died like I'm, I'm I'm very much like that kind of person but like what were you like with it yeah so I, I, it's, it's interesting so I, I found going to uni but I mean I didn't necessarily realize it when I was there but looking back on it now I found particularly arriving at uni quite a liberating experience because I'd, I'd lived in the same house that mum had died in for a whole year after she died and I'd kind of, you know, not been in school very much and it'd been sort of the focus around sort of getting to uni and and that. And then I finally got to uni and it was it was kind of like, okay, you can still do things after your mum has died and that's amazing. And also these people know you for they, they were the first people that I was meeting <clears throat> when my mum was already dead. So that Yeah. So it wasn't like your yeah, identity. Not as, not as really, such. So it? so actually it gave me it gave me the, the agency and the power to decide if I wanted to make that my identity or not. And I very quickly realized that I did want it to be part of my identity because it's the single biggest thing on a daily basis impacts who I am and how I act and, you know, mm. makes me the happy person that I am and also makes me the deeply troubled person I am at times. So I want people to know from the off who I am. But I think that particularly during those, what, those three years at uni, I did wear my heart on my sleeve and I did say that my, I'm Nick and my mum's dead and that, that's my identity. But beyond that, 
in the way in which it actually affected my emotional capacity and who I was as a person, I didn't understand that and I didn't grasp it. So I would say that I'm Nick, my mum's dead, but then <clears throat> I didn't like delve deeper to try and understand how that was impacting my relationship at the time or my my friends yeah. or my studies or how I was feeling or why I was drinking way more. Well, I mean, you go to uni, you drink way more anyway, right? So so yeah. are you drinking way more because your mum's dead or are you drinking way more that it's a, exactly, <laughs> right? so, you know you went to sugar wednesdays sugar being a, a club in lancaster for yeah. oh yeah people that don't know yeah <laughs> oh sugar you went to sugar food. wednesdays and you got absolutely obliterated and you're like well have i done that because it's sugar wednesdays or because i miss my mum so yeah you know, it was that yeah. kind of experience but but yeah so, so I, de- I definitely i definitely was open about it from the off that that my mum was dead and this is who i am and you know Mark, sorry <laughs> Did people did people talk to you um, about it? No, uh, no, and I, no. I again I think that that was the age thing. Um, people didn't really, mm. and and also I think it's quite a it's quite an, an English not wanting to upset anybody thing, where you know yeah. I, I'm not going to ask you because I, I I'm not sure how to ask you and I might upset you. I'm not trying to speak about these emotions. So hi, I'm Nick. My mum is dead. Oh, I'm sorry. And then there's no follow up about how does that make you feel or yeah what what was your mum called what was she like what did she do like just get getting to know your life pre exactly, your mum exactly um and that that then that then makes it it also then makes it weird for you because you're not speaking about your mum yourself because she's dead and then your friends are asking you about your mum because she's dead mm. this this person who was your closest person in your life and who was your mum suddenly becomes like this non-existent entity who apparently has never lived <laughs> yeah which is so painful it's 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 the worst experience because you know you've had this person in your life 17 years and you know they've given you everything and they've got you to where you are today thanks to them and yet you you there seems to be like where's the mark of them on your life it's like taboo exactly exactly and and sometimes that's not even just from your mates that's from your family as well um Mm. so so yeah, that that is it. yeah. I, I, I've I've de- I've definitely always worn it. I've almost you know I'd say I've, I've worn my mum's death as like a. I've learnt to wear it as a mark of pride, um, in terms of mm. that's how I feel. I I, I can best honour her memory. It's being honest about what happened to her, who she was, and then as a result, what happened to me. Um, but I think that take that takes. I mean, it depends on everybody. For, but for me, it took me a long time to get to that stage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. I was very lucky. I don't know if you knew Sam mm-hmm. Bidler yeah. at college yeah. or knew who, she, knew who she was. Yeah. Because um, her dad died a year before yeah. my mum died. Um, they were similar, And they were a similar age. And that's how me and Sam became so close. And I was very, very lucky to have that friendship at the time that I did. Because I think without that friendship, I wouldn't have been able to talk mm-hmm. about my mum or mm-hmm. laugh about mm-hmm. my mum dying in the same yeah. way that I do. Um like Sam showed me that it's okay to yeah. have a joke about it and it's okay and it's okay to laugh because it does change your life so much and there are some really f- funny stupid things that people say to you about it and you know you have to laugh yeah. at the fact that you can't go and do the normal yeah. things that everybody else does like yeah. don't buy a mother's day yeah. or father's day card anymore I'm a, I'm a sucker for inappropriate dead parent jokes I find them hilarious yeah. and the people in my life whenever I say whenever you're at a pub and you make one of these jokes the mother's day joke is the prime example it was like, oh shit I need to get my mother's day and I'm like well I don't have that problem and yes. everyone at the pub goes yeah. silent they're like uh <laughs> I'm like, 
surprise. <laughs> my my friends put in the group chat on Mother's Day, like, oh, what's everyone doing today? Then I put crying because my own's dead. What about you? <laughs> or if they bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, classic. Bring up Mother's Day to me, why don't you? Yeah, <laughs> you're so insensitive. <laughs> I know. But I can, I can imagine that, like, Sam there must have been amazing for you in terms of, like normalizing what you were feeling. Yeah, I'm I'm very very blessed in that aspect massively. Um but even so, you know, I still I still struggled massively and I had to um try and find yeah. support at uni, which is really yeah. hard to do. Um so I know you mentioned you got like counseling and CPT therapy and stuff. Who did you approach for that? Was yeah, that yeah, so uni? so the counseling was during was during my my undergrad and my postgrad. Um, and then the CBT mm. was when I moved back to London after my postgrad. Um, did you get counselling at uni with yeah, their I services? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. Can we talk for a second about the little quiz <laughs> they make you do to, to, to determine how suicidal <laughs> you are? Uh, test that. <laughs> Honestly, that, that really put me off, that whole experience, just because every single time I had a session... They had to determine how I know, suicidal I, I was. <laughs> and and it's like every time you walked in, and you're like, "I'm not, I'm not going to kill myself." But, but you, have have I thought about it? Yeah, probably because I'm very depressed. And yeah. It, and then it's like yeah. we have to let you know that the only time we will report you is if you're suicidal. And I'm like, "Well, shit." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Honestly, that that and the thing is as well is that you had to kind of when you're applying to get counselling counselling at uni, you have to try, kind of make you make how you're feeling yeah. sound really really bad but not too bad but bad yeah. enough to actually yeah. get seen at a yeah. reasonable time <laughs> yeah big time so it's like how suicidal can I make myself sound without them <laughs> so like on, on a scale of one to ten like yeah. seven <laughs> I love heaven <laughs> <laughs> honestly it's so like that whole experience for me was so weird my life savior at uni was actually in Lonsdale they ended up introducing like a well-being counselor yeah. guy um in like what was yeah. like my third year or should have been my third year and um he was amazing he 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 did yeah. cbc and that was fab i found that way more useful yeah. than the counseling that college that uni gave but everybody's yeah. different i mean my they? my my first uh, lord and savior uh, was uh, a counselor at lancaster um, and it was the first time someone had asked me about how I was feeling, how I was doing. And he's got a guy called Tony Scratchard. Mm. Um, he's a he's a, a Geordie um, who has an amazing background story. And I counseled with him for about a year and a half over my last year. And it was it was just amazing to have like another for, for me anyway to have another a bloke asking me questions about how I was normalizing and yeah. talking about it. And I'll always remember. I feel like everyone probably has one of these moments, but I'll always remember walking through that counselling room for the first time. And I remember walking through the door frame, which was red and grey. And it was the first time that I felt like, yeah, okay, I have a problem, but I'm accepting that I have a problem and that I need help. And that, it, and that yeah. actually it's not it's not a problem in the sense of it's a it's an unbeatable problem. It's a problem where, like, I, I can do this and if I want to, I can win. And that was probably two years after, two and a half years after mum died. And it wasn't for another three or so four years that I I ultimately woke up one day and was like, okay, I'm, I'm I feel I feel good again. But that was the first time that I realised that actually, you know, there is something that I can do about this, and I can at least try and have some ownership over it. And that's a big thing, the ownership yeah. thing. It's you feeling like you can control it in some way is such a 
big step. I don't know if you if, if you if you had that that particular moment at any point. Um, I don't think it's particularly having that moment, but I think I've learned that as as the years have gone on is that like grief doesn't own yeah. you, you can own your grief, which I think is really important. And it's like I've learned I've like I've learned so much mm. about myself over the past couple of years, and now I know like what I can do to protect Ooh. myself from like negative mm. thoughts and what is going to trigger me and what makes me feel good and what doesn't. And one of the biggest things for me actually, the the biggest changes I found was that before my mum died, I was a really social yeah. person. Um, loved yeah. going out, loved being with loads of people all the time, hated yeah. being by myself, like just wanted to be const- constantly stimulated. Yeah. And now, like after my after my mum dying, I am not really yeah. that sociable <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like <laughs> I I like hanging out with my friends, but I then get to a point where I'm like, I'm really yeah. ready to just go home now because I I find I, I was have you, have you watched no, After Life? No. You've got to. Oh my god, you've got to. Um, I binged the second series yeah. when it came out on Friday, and there's a bit in it where he talks about um, like, I don't know how to explain it. So he said every, everybody thinks that yeah. he's okay when he's around them, when he's like acting mm. normally, and then everyone worries about him when he's like mm. down and depressed. And then he was he was saying, but actually, I'm always down and depressed. This is my actual state mm. constantly. I'm just acting when I'm around you and pretending. I like I remember how yeah. I used to behave, so I I act like how I used to behave to try and please everybody else around me, which I feel like I spent so many years of my life doing after my mum died is that I knew how to behave normally and how I used to act. So that's what I did. But actually, yeah. I was really sad and depressed. And I feel time. like that is that is one of the most emotionally, physically and mentally draining things to have to do. Constantly, like yeah. the, the, the stress and anxiety that you feel going into a social situation after your parent has died is unbelievable. And then <clears throat> having to act like you're not feeling it is incredibly stressful. And then And then it kind of gives the impression to everybody that you're doing okay when you're actually not, you're just acting. So, so yeah. then it kind of like self-petrates. They're like, "Oh, he's f- they're totally fine," and actually, under the surface, you are completely breaking down. But it's yeah, easier exactly. to act like you're doing okay because then you don't have to talk to it about people. And I actually, mm. I, I, it resonates with me so much when you say that about of like, like the acting of going to places and just like putting on this who you were before it happened face. And and mm. I I feel like my grief has got so much easier ever since and I think that's part of the taking control thing it's the social thing as well it's 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 being brave enough and bold enough and and knowing yourself enough after we've happened to say actually you know what I'm going to come for two hours but I'm going to leave after that because then it gets too much or I've been here for an hour now guys I need to go home I'm not feeling great and it's that taking control of it that feels so good and so like liberating after so many years of of acting and I mean to be honest with you even even to this day there are still many social situations that I find myself in while I'm acting oh yeah a hundred percent I I I, yeah regularly I was I I was very much like before my mum died I was like super like life of the party outgoing like loved the bev got wildly drunk and now now I'm just like I can take it or leave it like (laughs) I'm not really I'm not too fussed and um one of my best friends whenever we go out so she can look she looks over to me and she's like you don't want to be here now do you and I'm like no offense but no I'm I'm ready to go home but I I also find that like 
on the flip side as well, it, it does it does give you that sense of um, living, so that when you do actually do it, you do it properly. So when you when mm. you then do go out and have a bev, or if you do go and see friends, or if you do do a trip, or you you do things that you would have done beforehand, I find that I can almost I I do get more pleasure out of them now because I've become a lot better at sort of living in the moment, as it were, and. Yeah, put your phone down. I mean, during quarantine, it's been bad, though. Yeah. (laughs) My screen time, those notifications, I keep getting, like, stop it. It's the most depressing stat the other week. Your your screen time has been up by five hours (laughs) per day this week, and I'm like, can you stop? Your screen time has increased by 288%. (laughs) No. (laughs) I hate them. But I, I completely get what you mean there. Like, you you're so much more appreciative of where you are at that time but I think because you know how quickly your life can be taken away from you Big time. I, but but do you, do you find that in some ways that's that's caused some conflict with some close people in your life because people hold on to things that actually aren't very important oh my god yeah patience is very slim yeah. <laughs> non-existent yeah massively um I wouldn't really say it's caused I mean it hasn't caused conflict because I'm I don't have much I'm not I'm not really that stubborn of a person I kind of I kind of just like let I'll kind of just say sorry and just let it pass but um but I do I think I limit my social interactions for that reason because I don't like hearing people talking about their like tiny problems and complaining about things it just yeah it really gets me going I mean it's so so bad like oh my my mum or my dad didn't want to get me this for my birthday okay shut up literally um but but at the same time it upsets me when my friends yeah think that they can't come to me with a problem because it's not as bad as theirs i think yeah one one of the biggest things is 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 with my girlfriend who's been absolutely amazing with me with this um but it's something it's it's exactly that sometimes i can sense that she feels a bit guilty talking about a problem that she might have with her family mm. and it's like I don't want you to feel guilty and I want you to be able to to come to me but it's like how can you how can you make them understand that you know it's it's fine to you to complain about it and that like, it's, it's not a problem yeah. and I want you to be open with me and to be fair it's got a lot better but you, you can understand why they why they wouldn't want to like burden you with it I guess. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. relationships mm. are really hard when when like you've got that that kind of shadow over you because it, it does affect the way that you think and yeah. the way that you behave and stuff and I think obviously when the person that you're with hasn't experienced what you've experienced you can't have those like yeah. open conversations 
about yeah. it as much. Um, like it's really easy to connect with people that have experienced what you have because yeah. you're just on a level. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's really hard, and I I admittedly like don't talk to my boyfriend much about um my mum dying and about how it's affected me and stuff because I just I I go mm. to other people for that. Um, yeah. and it, that's, it's, that's, it's hard. that's interesting that you say that because I I've always I've always tried. I guess, I mean, I know that she can't understand, but, you know, like everybody, she's been through her own hardships so can, like, relate to, like, a hardship mm. level. But I've always I've always tried to explain it as best as that I can and explain how it makes me feel and how it makes me act. Um, and I just, I find it interesting that you say that you go to other people because I think that's actually, that might actually be a better thing to do because it yeah. then doesn't, you know, burden you or the other person. And if you're speaking to someone who fully gets what you're going through, it makes that conversation easier. Well, yeah, exactly. And I'm very lucky to have people around me that have experienced something similar. And obviously I talk to people regularly yeah. like yourself who have experienced something similar, which is also great. Um, but it's actually the reason why me and Sam yeah. started this podcast, because we were like, there are so many people out there that have got nobody to talk to and nobody to relate their feelings to. And sometimes after somebody dies you have all these thoughts in your head and you're like, oh my God, is this normal? Like, is it normal that I'm thinking yeah, I want yeah. to die? Because it's such a, it's such a big thing to say and to think, but it yeah. is like so many people big feel time, the same way. Uh, I mean, the, the best thing that I ever did in terms of talking to other people is do, during my master's, I I was doing one-on-one counseling sessions and they said, we, we've got a, a group counseling thing that's going on. Would you like to join in? And so there was eight of us who basically sat in a, in a circle like Alcoholics Anonymous um, and we spoke about our <laughs> our dead parent, and we ended up calling ourselves Parents Anonymous. <laughs> I love that. And yeah, someone from the, someone from the group actually ended writing writing a, a play um, about about it that was shown at the fringe and stuff, uh, which was awesome. But yeah, it was it was it was that's amazing. Yeah, it was so nice to share with other people who were just on your level, and you you just you just get into this room and for an hour and a half every week, and you were just you know, and and often. I mean, like we've done, you, you don't even end up speaking about your parent as such. You you realise that it's actually about how that affects everything else in your life. And I find, yeah. I find the dead, yeah. your dead parent literally finds a way to impact every single strand of your life. Yeah, massively. Do, do you think you went to Lancaster because of your mum dying? So this is, if, if, this, is a, this is a funny story as well. It's, I, Lancaster wasn't one of my five universities that I applied to. Um, my first choice was Sheffield um, and my second choice was, I can't remember, but my first choice was Sheffield and I didn't get the grades that I needed to get because obviously I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm so I was like, I hadn't been in school much. Hey, what's up? Um, so I called clearing on, on the day and um, the first uni I called was Lancaster because my oldest friend, a guy called Paolo, who also ended up going to Lancaster, um, he lived in my road and his older sister and older brother had both been to Lancaster. Uh, oh, it's a massive family really thing, Lancaster. You know, once I've you've been, that. you tell everybody to go, <laughs> and um, yeah. and so they were like, "Yeah, you should definitely apply." So I, I called them on clearing. Their first university I called, and I picked up. They picked up, and I went, "Hi, my mum's just died, and I'd like to do politics. Can I get in?" <laughs> 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 they came back to me and they said, "Yeah," and I put the phone down. I went, "Dad, I'm in," and then I paused and I went, "Where the hell's Lancaster?" <laughs> <laughs> so so i i guess i guess the answer is no it didn't my mom didn't influence that at all which which 
might have been another you know nice thing in terms of it was like a, a clean break kind of thing um because all, yeah, all, all the unis yeah. that I had applied to I'd been to the open days with my mum and she'd like help me do all the research and she was the most caring person ever um, and she prepared oh. all these these leaflets and packs and yeah, I wanted to do politics she was like these are the best unis for politics these are the ones you'll like the most these are the ones with the best student satisfaction nah, 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 nah. and I know oh, it was amazing dream. and um made my dad's life nice and easy um <laughs> and uh, and then and then yeah suddenly she was gone and there wasn't any of that and um so so yeah it was it was it, yeah a weird experience talking about mm. your dad actually how has it been how's it been with him after your mum died because I find dads are really hard to just have relationships with but that's just from yeah from my so the first thing I will say is that my dad over the last seven and a bit years now has been the most amazing mum and dad at the same time the idea of, of having to suddenly be a lone parent with two kids one of which who's just turned 17 fills me with dread um yeah exactly but um with him being the most amazing mum and dad ever emotionally uh, i would say at best he's unavailable um which mm, which yeah. obviously then makes because you know and i think this is this says a lot about you know the society that we live in and it's still being very sexist is that as a child if you have an emotional problem you tend to go to your mum um and you don't necessarily go to dad and say hey dad I've, I'm feeling a bit X, Y, and Z about these emotions. And then obviously, mm-hmm. if you haven't done that during your youth and then your mum dies, <laughs> your dad's not with the person you're going to start going to. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a weird experience. He's been absolutely amazing. But, I, I mean, how, how have you found it with your dad? Um, yeah. Difficult. <laughs> Just because... Again, my mum was the person I went to for everything. Like, my mum didn't have a job, so she was at home all the time. My dad worked all the time. Um, But literally, before my mum died, I never did... I never went out with my dad one-on-one once. Like, we just didn't... I've got two older brothers who are seven years and nine years older than me, and I think he was quite involved in bringing them up. But with me, he kind of just left it to my mum. So literally, after my mum died, we had to build a relationship from scratch and we're just we're quite different but we do we do get on like I don't have a bad relationship with him at all um and I think it's definitely got better but like after my mum died I even though I still lived with him but obviously Mm. I was in Lancaster but it could I could go three weeks without him calling me and that's the time when you kind of need that person the most um but it's just again for him you know it's a completely different like way of life like he had to learn how to be a mum and a dad like I, I also you know I, I I mean not not for the first five years anyway but certainly when I since I'm since getting a tiny bit older and a bit more like emotionally understanding I've always tried to put myself back in my dad's position and the idea of of being in that position where you've just lost your life partner and the love of your life and you're trying to deal with your own emotion and grief and then trying to assess if your child is okay as well it's like it's mm. such a it's it's such a you know, a hard experience for them to go through. I mean, like, it's, it's just got to be so confusing because at times, you know, particularly because I was still living at home, you know, he he had to he had to put his own grief to one side, as it were, and like make sure that I still got through that last year at school. Um, which is which, but then obviously when I moved out, my sister was at uni as well. He spent you know the best part of two years on his own in a house. 
Which makes you feel horrendous. Right, exactly. It, it makes you feel absolutely horrible. But you also have your own life to get on with. You know, you have to you have to keep living and you've still got things to live for. But then, I mean, the guilt that it gives you. Massive, when, yeah. When you're on a night out and you're drunk and then suddenly you think about your dad alone on, you know, on their own in the house with without their partner there. You're suddenly like, well, you know, that's enough to make you Cue Q drunk crying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, drunk crying is bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so guilty of it. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's just another way that if like you know you get boozy and your emotions just come right up oh, to the surface don't they i've done some it's stuff since being drunk after my mum died like oh please share i, I mean <laughs> i've i've i busted my my top left eyebrow because i was having a play fight with a friend on my 22nd birthday and i was like oh, i bet you can't throw me over your shoulder and then he threw me over the shoulder and I, my, my glasses went up into my eyebrow Oh no! <laughs> just stupid. I mean, also, you know, bloody in 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 the early years, just like you know, messaging exes and stuff, and yeah. oh my word, you just you just do some stuff that you you know you wake up the next. I mean, in Lanks, you know, I mean, you you know the McDonald's in Lanks. Oh, do I? I, I got so drunk once that I, I they asked me to pay and I couldn't find the twenty pound note, but it was in my mouth. Um, I'm walking them up between my lips and then after about 30 seconds of waiting for my food I thought they were taking too long so I tried climbing over the counter oh no presumably got chucked out of Mackey's oh no yeah Yeah, just the way that you behave is so out of character and like I I was exactly the same for the two years after my mum died I did things that I would never usually have done I'm not very proud to have done Um, but it's just you know you can't kind of hold your, hold it against yourself, can you? Because you do act so out of character because your whole life has literally turned upside down. But I, I, I guess the thing I struggle with about that is not holding yourself to account. You know, when when your actions haven't, you know, just broken a window or broken an object, but your actions have actually hurt someone else's feelings deep, mm. and you've hurt them on an emotional level and like, you know, that's your fault. You know, it, it, it is because of what you were going through but it's still it's still a, a shit place to be in because it's it's not like you ever intentionally set up to hurt someone but you were, because you didn't you didn't care about yourself at all in those times you couldn't you couldn't care about anybody else no literally i don't know if you found the same but i just found it so hard to give a shit about anybody else yeah and it, and it wasn't because again i'm, I'm you know I, I wouldn't say i'm a selfish person but in those moments i was just like you're so depressed that you just really don't care like what I'm going through is worse than anything that's going on with you. So, like, why should I care about anything yeah, else? Yeah, exactly. And you and you realize after a while that that's actually quite an unhealthy position to be in but when you have that sort of you know siege mentality of it's me against the world and my situation is worse than yours and what I'm going through is harder because it is. But also, that's not you know it's not going to get you anywhere. But I do find if you found this now, you're actually a lot more empathetic than you used to be as well like you can really connect with people when they're feeling sad you feel sad like massively massively and I think it it's even it's it's interesting how it's gone from one extreme in the immediate years after your parent died to now where you can where little things used to really piss you off but where if, if someone comes to me with something that's upset them even if it's small I'm like no that's completely legitimate your your emotions are fair. It's understandable. Like why 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 has that made you feel that way? 
Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and I guess that is one of the many, many things which I always find it strange to say this out loud, but one of the many, many things that like, obviously your parent dying is never good, but it has fundamentally, I feel brought me a lot of good things. Yeah, no, we celebrate that in the Dead Prime Club. Like it, it does bring positive, it, like, it has positive aspects to it. It just takes a few years or even longer to kind of be able to see those things. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm way different now to who I was when my mum died. Obviously, because I'm older, but also just in terms of like my positive mindset. And you know, if something goes wrong, you know, I, I have this mindset of like it, it will be okay. And it's just, it's just. Also, I think when you've been in that really, really dark hole, I always describe it as like being in the bottom of a barrel and looking up, and there's light, but you can't be bothered to go towards the light because it's too hard. And when you've yeah. been in that really dark place, positivity is so good. <laughs> like massively well, to see any kind of ha- future where you could be happy like, it's like oh my god really yeah, and like being being you find that being happy is is it's so much easier to be happy than it is to be to be like in a really bad miserable place. yeah exactly which is funny yeah. because obviously when you're miserable you think that there's no way out of it and it's just way easier to be in that position it's so it's so true like literally that's probably one of the things I struggled with the most after my mum died I was like I'm never going to be happy again I cannot envisage a time in my life where I'm actually going to be happy whereas now I would say I'm happy the majority of the time but there is just that underlying sadness that will always be there but it is you know I can now celebrate the good times which is you know a blessing I also found the the clouding aspect of when you're when you're in it in in the aftermath of the of the death of like you not only can you can you not imagine a time where you will be happy you i i couldn't i couldn't emotionally register or remember times when i was happy in the past yeah yeah i I couldn't i couldn't feel i couldn't mentally or emotionally or physically feel emotions or remember emotions of happiness which is so strange isn't it like it's like did you ever have like those times when you're literally racking through your memories to try and find a time when you had really happy times with your parents because yeah. you wanted to remember the good times, but it's just it was so it's so hard to mentally get they there. They didn't they didn't like they didn't exist. I mean, yeah, I mean, and to be honest, even to this day, I mean, nowadays I'm I'm a really happy, positive, bubbly person, but still, I I really struggle with with remembering yeah. my mum. Me too. I, I hate oh, it. It's the worst thing, isn't it? <laughs> It makes you feel like they, and, and this is the really thing. This is the only thing that really still tips me over the edge, and I struggle talking about because it's it's such a it's so shit. Yeah, you 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 know that you've had these years with her, but you, I can't. So many of them as well. I know. So many of them. I can't remember her. It, I know. I hate oh, it. It's it's terrible. And then you see this photo, and you're like, I know that's her. <laughs> I know she's. I know she was real and is real, and I know she made me and all this stuff but actually remembering her or placing her in a physical environment mm. or, or or a place <laughs> search me i did i actually did this last night i um me my boyfriend and my dad were sat around a little fire outside in the garden yeah. and there was an empty seat to my left and i started trying to place her in that seat like i tried to start imagining what clothes she was wearing and i could put the shoes on her and i could put 
like the jeans on her but I couldn't remember what jacket she would wear when she went outside at night and I started getting really annoyed with myself because I could remember like this purple waterproof that you had (laughs) but then I was like no she wouldn't she wouldn't be wearing a purple waterproof because it's it's not raining it's it's just cold and I was like what jacket would she be wearing and I was getting so infuriated with myself and it's just those little things isn't it it's so weird but like you're so desperately trying to hold on to memories of them big time and I, I have the same thing you know if I, I can think of, and, it, and it's weird, I, I can I can remember her when I'm like, if I can at all, it's, it's when I was really young. For example, her holding my hand, I used to be really scared of the dark as a kid. And so she'd oh. hold my hand until I went to sleep. And I can remember, I can, I can, I can remember her, her hand and like the way that it feels. And that's really vivid and lovely. But beyond that, I get so frustrated because it's, then I'm like, oh, my mum had hands. Great. <laughs> I, I do that i i have a distinct memory of what my mum's hand felt like to hold i'm exactly the same that's what i can remember yeah. and i'm like but i remember i want to remember conversations exactly. with her exactly. and stuff and, and i just can't and i think that that's the thing that, that stays with you forever and i think no matter how good you get at dealing with your grief and how good you get with get at living with it that there's always there, there's always that i don't know <laughs> I can't even put it into words because I don't understand it. I can't, I can't, I still to this day can't understand. Obviously I know that she's dead and I've accepted it and it's real. But when you step back and think about it and stop and you're like, this person is never coming back. Can't comprehend it, don't like it, won't do it. Exactly, right? You, you and trust me, I've I've spent years, we all have, I've spent years trying to like rationalise it and understand it and, you know, explain it in my head. And and still, still to this day, I'm, there's this little voice in the back of my head that's like, she's going to walk up the front drive. Yeah. And it's like... I, I completely get that. I think that's just your mind trying to protect yourself from admitting that, you know, they're not coming back. But I'm I'm the same. I honestly, I can't sit here and be like, I am never going to see her again, and she's never going to see my children or anything. I can't do it. it. It's it's such a it's such a baffling experience to go through, and and that's from like two people, i.e., me and you, who've spoken at length about you know our emotions and grief and done CBT mm. and counselling, and 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 we're still here. Like, nah, it's not real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I've literally done everything possible to like <laughs> kind of acknowledge my grief and acknowledge my mum's death, but nah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Uh, good good joke guys i'm gonna wake up soon <laughs> she's just on a really long holiday she's having the time yeah. of her life and she'll come back and it'll be fine I'd like to i wouldn't e- i wouldn't even be mad yeah i honestly wouldn't even be mad i'd be like come back <laughs> go for it this is something i wanted to ask you because i i i felt it more and more recently i felt quite a big um like almost resentment towards my mum mm. for, for dying um, and, and it's a really weird feeling because people. I got asked this. There's, there's this. There's this friend of mine who does these um, topical questions on Instagram during quarantine. And one of the question was there was like yes or no. One of the questions was, do you resent one of your parents? <laughs> and I found myself answering yes. And I'm yeah. like yeah, I resent my mum for leaving in the way in which she did and not not giving what everyone else gets. Yeah. And that's such a again a baffling experience because you're like oh, I love my mum more than anything in the world. But also I'm like fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I miss you. Fuck yeah. you. I hate you. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the most no. relationship in the world. <laughs> I I I completely get that. That there, there are times when I've literally been lying here. And I've been like why? And I think for me as well, it's because I know that she rejected like chemo after when she should have had it and all those kind of things. And it's just like you're literally like why? Yeah. 
I, I don't know whether it's an anger at her or an anger just at the universe. Yeah. God, universe. Like this, like, honestly. I honestly hate the universe. <laughs> <laughs> what a bastard. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Kind of asking one of our final questions, yeah. which I know that we've spoken at length that, but um, to try and condense it a little bit, if you can, is do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it? Yes, massively. Um, I think I can probably break it down into like three different sections. Amazing, the power of three. I love power it. Power of three. Ah, well, the elevator pitch. Uh, <laughs> no, so, so the first part uh, changed my life. Absolute shit. Um, everything is burning. Everything is bad. Um, I am. I am so numb. Uh, I'm never going to get out of this. Oh my god, this is terrible. Um, what am I doing? I hate this life. Part one. Uh, part two is. God, this really is terrible, but there's something I'd like to do about this. I can't keep living like this. It's that sort of sink or swing moment, sink or swim moment. Mm. Where you're like, okay, right, I, I want to stop sinking. I want to start swimming. That happened for the first time about three years in. I I kept sinking for another like three years. So for the first six years, I probably had numb. This is terrible. I hate it. Okay, I want some help, but I'm still in a really bad place. Let me play act. Let me get through it. And then over the last year, finally... I've got to a place steadily. It's taken a lot of work. But I've got to a place where, you know, I am genuinely, genuinely love life, very happy. Um, I want to help others as much as possible. I want to do good. Um, I I love my, you know, I love my girlfriend. I love my friends. I love with such strong passion. I love to love. Um, I love to love. I love to love. Honestly, it's so it's so great and you know i'm so appreciative of life and i'm you know and i would never i would never be at such a i don't want to sound too up my own ass but like an emotionally developed level had my mum not died mm. and i would never be so in touch with my which sometimes is terrible because you can overanalyze everything but most of the time now i am i am so happy and content but that's because i've accepted my grief and i've accepted my journey and I've accept- and the be- the best way that I describe it is ever since mum died, someone attached a big heavy chain to my back and filled a bag yeah. with the heaviest stones ever. And yeah. for the first however many years, I was dragging that bag and dragging it and dragging it and trying to fight it and trying to battle with it and constantly losing. I would never win. I would always I would always lose the war. I might win some battles, but always lose the war. And then eventually, after years and years and years of plugging away and fighting and trying. I eventually took the lifted the bag up and started carrying it with me and sort of like held hands with it. And that meant that that gray cloud that was always been over me, it's still there and it will always be there, but that's okay. You know, it's, it's part of who I am. It's the biggest identity marker of who I am. And I, and I, and I wear it with love and pride and sadness and all the things that are associated with that grief. I wear it with that. And so I'd say that that, that third part, which I'm in now has taken six seven years to get to uh, yeah. but it, in in a, in a weird way i i wouldn't <laughs> this might be quite say though but i i wouldn't change any of the pain to get to where i've got to it's the longest journey to get there but it's worth it isn't oh, when it? you get there and you suddenly realize that like yeah you, you can do it again and and you can enjoy and actually you take so much pleasure out of small things you're like yeah okay uh, that that was really painful and it still is really painful but cool i can I can live with that and I'm happy with who I am. And actually I, I love, you know, I love who I am now. Thanks to it. Yeah. Um, 
yeah. that's the thing and that's what I think the most important thing is like with these podcasts we always try and end it on a kind of positive note because yeah like death is so real and it's so horrendous yeah. and awful and there is so much sadness that goes with it but it is amazing how at some point if you can see a light at the end of the tunnel and see how it's changed you for the yeah. better but it's so interesting because some people it takes them six months some people it takes them 20 years but yeah some point, everybody's time scales are so different how, how how's it been how's it been for you i would say that doing this podcast has probably helped me the most just from like hearing other people's stories and stuff and having the opportunity to talk about it because without the podcast I probably would hardly ever talk about my Mm. mum um so it's great to have this outlet but obviously I need to do my own work outside of this on on my own grief and stuff and it's, it's ongoing isn't it and you know, I'm in a good place because I, I can see the good things, the good side of it, not just in my life, but in everybody else's life that I speak to. I see how it's changed them for the better and how they've got so much more appreciation for life, which I think is like just like the most like magical thing ever. And also I think I think like the community aspect is amazing. So for example, yes, we went to the same uni, but we'd never spoken before today. No. It's now a case of I know that in the future, if I were to send you a message about it, there would be total understanding. And so, oh my god yeah 100 you know, when, you, when you meet someone that's had that that same i you know been through the same thing initially when you live through it you think you're so isolated and alone but actually mm. there are so many people out there who who want to listen and will listen and just be there with you in those moments because they understand i wish me and sam i wish me and sam had known you at uni we could have had a right dead parent oh my god. it would have been amazing <laughs> wouldn't it people would be like, yeah, stay away from those two on a night out <laughs> <laughs> would have been fab would be great yeah um but yeah no I, I think that sense of community is 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 so good and and once you discover it and also i mean podcasts like yours which by the way are prop massive props to you it's amazing Thank i you. mean they're, they're they're growing and you know they're becoming more open and you know there's these meetup groups in london for people who can you know and, and across the country who want to just meet and talk about what about their grief and not even about their grief mm. you know so yeah I, th- I think the big thing is I, I wish someone would have told me that you know you're not you're not alone on this journey even though it's the most yeah. isolating thing in the world there are so many people out there that if you reach out that they, they immediately you will find them yeah big time and they're all they're always willing to talk as well that's like the best thing like so many people are willing to talk about it and that that's why like it's so amazing to know people who have gone through the same thing as you because you can have those like honest conversations without 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 having to apologize yeah. which is oh my god you know, <laughs> mega but not having to apologize thing is so nice <laughs> yeah literally like <laughs> i never talked about my mum dying i'm really sorry and i'm yeah. like no, no no need to apologize you're a pub with people who haven't been through it and you're talking about it and you're like oh i'm sorry for having brought the tone down yeah i hate it i hate apologizing when i cry i'm like oh i'm really sorry i do it all the time but i always apologize but it's like apologizing for your own dead parent like, yeah such- oh, I'm, so- I'm really sorry my grief inconvenience yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly or like after they die and you're talking to all the friends and family and you're like comforting them on the phone <laughs> yes yes like your friends start crying at your loss and you're like oh don't worry it's okay and inside i'm like it's not okay <laughs> yeah um anyway the final question is what would you say to other people that have experienced something similar or are experiencing something similar to you um 
I kind of would 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 mirror what I've just said in terms of like mm. everything that you and I wish someone would say this to me as well. Everything that you're feeling and everything that you're doing makes sense and and is legitimate. You're you're not an alien. You're not going crazy. I know it feels like you are, but like what you're doing and the way that you're acting and and the things that you're doing are, are completely normal. And like, don't ostracize yourself. Don't exclude yourself. Don't don't make yourself feel guilty because of that um and actually also you know if you have friends who aren't understanding well screw them <laughs> you know <laughs> you know get some friends who are understanding because 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 they are out there but yeah mainly that like it's totally normal and it's to you know you're allowed to cry you're allowed to be sad you're allowed to be angry you're allowed to be upset you know you're allowed to talk about it talking about it is good you know it it will it will do you good and and also just on a on a personal level from from me like for any guys out there just please just talk about it it's it's so it's so important I I I didn't speak on my emotions for a long time after my mum died because I didn't have any guys to turn to and I didn't know how to talk about it and it just makes the biggest difference and then through all of my years of counselling at CBT I've seen like two other guys ever (laughs) Mm, (laughs) and I I know that you're out there I know that you're you've you know it's not like there's more women who lose more parents yeah (laughs) it's it's not gender biased that's the one thing that isn't gender biased is probably you know is probably the kids who lose their parents you know so you know I I think just 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 speak like just be you know open up about it and Mm. and, you know yeah come and come and speak to this podcast that's my my advice come and speak to this amazingly sick podcast that's (laughs) right we need we need some more guys in here (laughs) what about you have you have you got i mean you must have given advice loads of times but what have you got any nuggets that you would you would give oh wow this is the first for me really um <laughs> god wow you'd think that i'd be a fountain of knowledge after yeah. listening to everybody else's <laughs> advice in the past couple of years to be honest my advice would be to put yourself first always and to kind of like and to learn more about yourself so that you're able to protect yourself more and kind of find out what makes you happy and what makes you sad even just like tiny things like that like feed yourself well like eat good foods that are gonna I think it's I take that quite a holistic approach to grief (laughs) where like I'm very aware of like eating the right food makes me feel good exercising makes me feel good reading and taking some time like quiet time out for myself is good for me and I think more than anything it's just realizing over the years that these things help me and prioritizing them above anything else. You're, you're so right about the practical things. I mean, writing writing a list and then like taking like crossing things off. Yeah, them. it doesn't even have to be grief related. Exactly. It's just realizing that there are certain things in life that make you like. For me, it was routine and structure, and that really helped me. I mean, exercise exercise for me has been the massive equalizer. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely. I'm, I'm my girlfriend's now like, can you spend some time with me rather than at the gym? Like, want, I mean she, she's got her wish now <laughs> yeah I'm like, if you're the best version of me I'm going to the gym <laughs> literally no, but li- that's the thing like to give other people what they want yeah. from you you have to be the best version of yourself and that's something that I found difficult as well because my relationship is relatively new like last summer and one of the hardest things I found was balancing spending time with them but also making myself a priority first because other other people don't always understand the things that you're doing um 
and it is it is just going back to basics i think really with grief is it's not just acknowledging your grief but it's acknowledging your health physical and, and mental also just on the physical health side i mean please people out there after a parent dies please do not eat as much dominoes that i did <laughs> oh god at uni i can imagine that it's like, you, it makes you feel good for half an hour it's like a, it's like an instant drug high yeah i mean you know afterwards god it tastes so oh, good doesn't it but stuffed crust man that garlic did oh, oh. they brought out the massive one. Oh. yes oh, so good. honestly it, it does make you feel pants afterwards <laughs> that dry mouth that oh, you get oh, when oh. you wake up in the middle of the night and your, your heart's like going faster and it's like oh, this, this yeah is good food. it's like it's like it's like a hangover it actually is <laughs> yeah it's legit food coma but yeah, I completely agree with you that the, the holistic thing, holistic thing is, is so important. And I think that's what also changed for me later on is at the beginning, it was always emotional work, emotional work. Mm. And you, 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 you neglect and negate like your physical side. And if you can feel healthy in your body, then your mind is going to be a lot better at being able to deal with, with what's going on. And that doesn't mean you need to be running like 10, 20 Ks or doing. Like, oh my God, no. no. Just like eat, go for a walk, you know. Yeah, I, massive. That's such a big difference. You know, go for, go for. I mean, yeah, go for a walk. Just get some fresh air. I'm hoping that that's something that people have realised over this whole lockdown period mm. is that because all they've had is that one once daily exercise, they've kind of realised that going for a walk is actually so beneficial to their health. And like, I'm hoping that it's made them feel good, and that after this is all over, people might actually still continue going for a walk every day. I've, I've never seen so many runners in my life. Literally. <laughs> Like where have you? You know this all this free time you had before lockdown on weekends when you had. What were you doing? The ability you had to leave the house. Hmm. <laughs> so funny, isn't it? But it's also it's good to see. Like I like it's good to see people exercise. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Yeah, I just really hope it it continues because yeah, exercise is such a massive healer. So. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for your time. I've really enjoyed Me it. Me too. Thank you so much. It's been so enjoyable to talk with you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dpcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening. And we'll see you next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.